Hello again, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from the Florida Keys. Let me turn in this music. You hear this in the background? I should should I stop this first? This is the comments you should you know send me. I don't know if everyone how viscerally people are about the quality of the show, how they feel about it, but <clears throat> this is what I do right now. I podcast. I'm going to try to get two episodes out today. I think I'm going to get it. I'll do uh, two tomorrow, and I'll have four out for the week. This is the episode, what's it be, episode 450? I'm 50 episodes from episode 500, and that would be, if I do, be 12 weeks, if I do four episodes a week, which would be September the 500th episode, I should make it a big deal for the 500th episode. Matter of fact, maybe tomorrow I should do a show from, maybe I can do a show from the, the oh no, I can't. See, tomorrow's my daughter's eighth grade graduation. So, the Keys bartender has things he has to do, but I'm not definitely not going to skip the daughter's graduation. But the, I can I can probably do a show earlier in the day and go and work out. Do the show, I could do it on Friday day, who knows, or next week. But it's all about budgeting my time. And speaking of budgeting my time, people always say, I I hear this a lot from people, and I'm thinking, people that don't get a lot accomplished, or they may have get a lot accomplished, but I don't get it. They say they don't have time. I mentioned something like the show I was watching on HBO. And I always, you know, when... I always enjoy that when people say, hey, you know, I really enjoy the show. I want to share this experience with other people. I want to share this experience with other people and um, <clears throat> I want them to enjoy it the way I enjoy it. So there's a show on HBO called Mayor of Easttown. And it actually sounds... If you looked at the title without knowing anything about it, Mayor of Easttown, it sounds like Mayor, Mayor of Easttown, M-A-Y-O-R. It's actually Mayor, M-A-R-E, I think short for Mary or Mary Beth. And it's a suburb of Philadelphia. I think it's Delaware County, if I'm not correct. To the south, the same area you'd see in the movie like Silver Linings Playbook, if you know that one. But what they did in the show is they correctly and faithfully recreated the Philadelphia accent and the behaviors of people from that region. And Easttown, the accent of the people in Easttown, it had to be like right, I mean, if. It's as if the people were lifted out of a neighborhood in Philadelphia and moved 20 miles out. Because outside of Philadelphia, they don't have that crazy accent as much as inside the city. And the people who have that accent are outside the city or people that used to live inside the city. So it's like young families, you know, poor, lower middle class that used to live in the city of Philadelphia moved out. But that's not the point of it. What it, Mayor of Easttown, it sounds like a spinoff of Game of Thrones. Mayor of Easttown, it sounds like you'd see some kind of medieval 
setting and it's some maybe washerwoman with some magical abilities or or a soothsayer or something like that. But actually it's about a female detective who's investigating uh, some disappearances slash murders of young women in East Town, Pennsylvania. I don't even think it exists. I didn't even do a search of it, but it's uh, if it's big enough to have a police department of 12 people, I've, I apologize to East Town if it does exist. It's not one of the towns I heard uh, of before when I lived there. But it was a fabulous show and I was always amazed by the accent. And Kate Winslet being the star of it, she purposely made uh, a point of not having her pictures touched. So in all the promos and stuff like that, when she saw the promos coming out and she saw like cuts and, uh, of, of the show and she saw that some of her lines were missing and stuff, when lines on her faces, on her face, on her face. And, you know, some of her blemishes were there, weren't there. She said, hey, listen, you can't touch it this much. This is supposed to be real. I mean, it's not obviously a fictional story, but it's supposed to appear real. So she was big into that. She did a wonderful job. She let herself go. She, they were going to cut back on some of her belly fat during one of her love scenes with Guy Pierce, the Australian. He's, I think he's Australian. And he wasn't, he didn't master the Philadelphia accent, but he did, obviously, an Australian guy he does this excellent, innocuous, mid Atlantic accent, right? But Kate Winslet, she could have went to um, one of my local Catholic girls' schools in uh, Cardinal Doherty. She could have been a graduate of Cardinal Doherty. She just had that accent. This is a friend of mine. She sounds exactly like she's a manager down here of a restaurant. And it, it was her voice. We, we talking to her. And this woman was a flawed character. I'm not talking about the person who works out here. I'm talking about Kate Winslet's character. Was a, it was a great show. It was a great show. But the point I was getting to is people say, I don't have a time. I don't have time for an hour a week to watch. And people say this to me while they're drinking at a bar. And they're not, I don't see them with a laptop in front of her or doing anything, making contacts with people and stuff like that. It's not like a business meeting. And when you, when you tell me you don't have time an hour a week, but I see you two to three hours a day at a bar, then I question your time management skills. Right? Let's say you don't do let's say you do a five five days a week. I'm there five days a week. Sometimes more, sometimes less. And I know when you're there. And I'm assuming you're let's say I'm assuming you're not there when I'm not here. But if you're there every day during the week, I'm there on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. There's a good probability there on Tuesday and Thursday. 
So you have, you do have time. You do. When you say, I see people that sit there and they go in there for four hours. Every so often they're in there for four hours. There's, I said, you could have watched the extended version of Lord of the Rings. The, the director's cut, the Peter, Peter Jackson cut of Return of the King. Which is like four hours in the amount of time you spent here. I'm not telling not to spend time there. I'm suggesting maybe you shouldn't say you're so busy all the time that you're able to spend close to 20 hours a week in a public house or a tavern. Right? Oh, I'm so busy I wouldn't know. I could... People, I tell people what I do and they say, you must be so busy. I watch TV. I work. I drive my daughter around. I take, I take her out and we practice driving in lieu of her getting her learner's permit in about six months. I want to get her a head start. I don't want it the first time behind the wheel. I know it's crazy. You're not supposed to be doing that. And I'm admitting that right now. I guess that would be admissible. I'm not going to say anything else about it. But what I'm suggesting is when people say they don't have time, they usually have poor time management skills or they're serious about their job. And they do use up all their time to do that. I've seen people come in and it's come and eat and they're watching their phones or they're back and forth talking to people and they're talking business. They're all business all the time. I understand that. And that's got to be fucking boring. But this bullshit where you're busy that's worse because you don't even know that you're wasting time. You're under the impression that you're so busy that you don't have an hour to sit down and do something for yourself. And it may not be watching TV. And you say, I say it's quality TV. HBO's quality TV or PBS. That's quality. And you know, you're listening to podcasts. You know, you could be driving into work listening to podcasts, right? It's not a waste of time. And every so often you can get a little nugget of information like this that could help your life. Find the time. Find the time. It's like the gym. When I talk to people at the gym, they go, oh my God, if I only had the time. And they said, what's holding you back? Well, I'm so busy. And then you drill down, drill down. And then part of it is I don't feel like going because I'm a little embarrassed about going. Okay, that's one thing. It's one thing you got to do. I see people go in there and they're the first time and I I see people working out in a gym and it looks like they are their body shape is not the typical one of someone you see that habituates a gym on a regular basis. They could have a bigger bottom, you know flabby arms and stuff like that. But they're doing it. They are doing it. They found the time. They defeated the thing that they worried about most is I'm not the typical person to be doing that. Well, don't be the fucking typical person. Be the atypical person that goes there on a regular basis. I admire that stuff when I see it. I'm in pretty good shape for my age. I'd have to say maybe, I don't know, maybe top, I don't know. I'm going to try to be objective. Try to be objective. I'm in the top 5%. I'm walking away from the microphone. <coughs> top 5% in my, let me clear my throat, in my age group. 
I'm not saying 1%, 5%. I'm at 5% physically. All around. My cardio health, my uh, muscle percentage. I think I can comfortably say that. But I do a lot of commitment to that. I do I work in like five, six, about five hours a week. Six hours a week. And I don't drink now. Now that not drinking probably puts me into a 20% thing. And that doesn't automatically make you a better person. I Just so you know. Not drinking does not make me a better person than people that drink. Because the reason I don't drink is not to become a better person. It's not to be a drunk person because I drank too much. Let's get that clear. Okay. And then I started watching somewhat what I was. I never, I never worried about. And I'd say I'm in the bulk of guys 58 years old. I'm not eating at McDonald's every day. I mean, if I go to McDonald's, it's once a month or every other month. Food like that. The pizza, ordering a pizza, maybe twice a month. If that. Used to order a lot of Chinese food. Don't do it. I eat more vegetables. Yesterday, this is I made homemade crab cakes, salmon. We had asparagus and steamed broccoli and couscous. Pretty healthy. And drank water, obviously. So that's part of the thing that goes in the mix. And, uh, okay, no drinking. Uh, somewhat reasonable amount of food. Regular gym uh, attendee. And I think that's the thing that puts me in the top 5%. For my age group. I, I found the time. And I was trying to explain to people. Yeah, if your time is dedicated. You don't have five hours or three hours. Or two hours. During the week. For yourself. Then you've got to reimagine your schedule. You got to find two hours. You got to find it if you're going to have a relationship. You're going to have to have a couple of those. You're going to have to have a good, God, maintain a healthy relationship. Minimum 15 hours a week. Minimum 15 hours a week. Okay? And you go from there. Now, you could do some of those things when you're with them, but you got to be, you know, you got to be somewhat give your attention. You got to make sure your attention is not too far off when you're with your paramour or your family. If you want to be a good, you know, you don't want to be one of those dads that's hooked up to a headphone all the time and just talking on the phone when, when you're at dinner. So, but I digress right there. We're talking specifically about finding extra time. And I mentioned first it was a TV show. It could be reading a book. It could be meditating. But anything that improves your life, and I think for certain people, when you get older and you need to be somewhat fit, it's good to be somewhat fit. And it's not necessarily, I'm not saying just to look fit, to feel fit. That, you know, you may never get to your objective of being felt and all muscly. You know, you may not get there, but you may get it internally, meaning you feel it on the inside and you got more energy and things like that. It's it behooves you to take that extra time. But there's always time during the day you're doing something. And I have one of the one of the regulars comes in. He's always on his laptop. People say, well, what's he doing on his laptop? He's just watching videos. No, no, he does a lot of he does a lot of coding. 
does a lot of coding work. That's his main job. And when he has his downtime, he watches bits of YouTube. He may watch a, a reaction video or an excerpt from a movie. And I mentioned to him one time, hey, you like these movies, it looks like, because I see his, I see his laptop, because I'm standing right where I'm working, and his back's to the kitchen, and I'm, we're both facing out, and I can see what's on his laptop. And then I say, well, you should see this show. And he goes, I never really watch too much television. I said, I see every night at least an hour or two. Yes, in the course of five hours. I do see you do maybe three hours of coding. But two hours, you're not coding. So why don't you watch one thing? Instead of watching like a 15-minute excerpt of Godfather Part 2. Or the end of Armageddon. Which may be the best part of Armageddon. The only good part of Armageddon. There was a... I, talk, I mentioned in the previous show that um, the anchors on a, on a national show, they were talking about a asteroid coming close to Earth. And there's right now there is one the size of the Space Needle, Seattle Space Needle. It's really not the size. It's, it's bigger than the Seattle Space If It's 600 feet across, meaning, <clears throat> yeah, maybe it's long as that, but it's a solid asteroid it's got a way, because the space needle, needle is not, it's spindly going up. <clears throat> it's probably eight times the weight of uh, the uh, space needle. <clears throat> and I guess if it did hit a town, it would be bye-bye town. I mean, some of it would have burned up and stuff like that. But And it's funny, they're talking about this couple weeks ago about the merits of the movie Deep Impact Armageddon on National Channel and saying, oh, Armageddon is a superior movie. I'm like, they were both shitty movies. Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Vin Rames. Was it Vin Rames in it? Yeah, Vin Rames. Steve Buscemi. A bunch of other... Oh, Liv Tyler. Billy Bob Thornton. That's... Armageddon, and then you have Deep Impact, I think it's Robert Duvall, and they try to make it a little more serious and they kind of screw the pooch on that one, stuff like that. Which people say, hey, you missed those movies, you didn't miss anything. You didn't miss anything. And then at that point, I can understand what people are saying, hey, why would you want to spend your time watching crap like that? Are you really, Jim? Are you telling us that you need to save time to watch this shit? Or, what was it? America's Got Talent. I was sitting on the couch. We had just come, came back from going for a little ride in the car after dinner. Took the dog for a walk. And America's Got Talent. And you know what? My estimation... After watching, and you know, my my family likes the show and stuff like that. And I, I've I've enjoyed watching some people do their acts, some of them on there. But my analysis at the end of watching a couple episodes, if our country of three hundred thirty million people 
has the kind of people that show up for this show, I'd have to say my analysis at hand is that America doesn't have a lot of talent. Because there's 330 million people. There should be someone that should be able... There, out of 330 million people, there's going to be someone that's going to be able to juggle 18-pound bowling balls. Four of them. And get them like four feet in the air. I mean, it's take a lot of muscle to do that, a lot of coordination. But there's going to be someone out of 330 million. There's going to be someone to do that. And they better be doing it well. I always think that they, they practice. That's what they practice their thing on. They, they're always practicing. Again, America's got talent. They don't have an hour. They may not have an hour. They have a dance crew. And they've got this fun, some fucking thing about dance crews and stuff like that. And they come from all over. They come from... Usually they come from big inner cities or developing countries. Like Eastern European countries or something like that. Or could be, you know, even... It's usually developing countries. Not third world countries, but developing countries. They have they have warehouse space and stuff like that. They do things. They might... Or it could be from Asia, France... If it comes from Asia, they got some technical skills. And, and a couple of years ago, it was like they're able to do things they do. It's almost like an illusionist. It's dance crews that do illusionist things. And there's dance crews that do physic. They use their physicality. Yeah, they use their physicality to express themselves. They're talented. And, and they've got to coordinate it. And they, they don't have time. I understand it. They don't have time in Mayor, to watch Mayor of Easttown. But how can you really get, you know, have 20 people or 12 people dance in sync all the time? Practice, 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 practice. And not have someone get hurt. You know, throwing people up in the air and shit like that. I like the cheerleading thing. Spending all your time not enjoying yourself and stuff. And what if the main person gets hurt? And the main person, the one you throw highest in the air or do anything like that, or they have a very important, and you have a, you probably have an understudy too in those dance groups and stuff like that. Something happens. You go and practice your whole life doing this stuff, foregoing any pleasures, like leisure activities, such as watching TV or going, well, obviously, if you're working on a dance crew, you really don't need to work out because your workout is your, your, your practice is your workout. I mean, you could do some strength training and stuff like that. And you see these people with these kind of like knockoff Cirque du Soleil tricks and all that stuff. They're doing things where someone's spinning with one arm. And you think, holy shit, this body's going to just break in fucking half. Well, yeah, and when they fail, that's it. That's their main thing. They're doing their main thing, which is dancing. To get popular, get a million dollar contract. You got twenty people going to think, and you, yeah, you're still going to make a, you're still going to end up making about as much as a night manager at McDonald's. After you divide everything up between your dance crew, and your manager, and your time, and all that stuff. So, um, but if you fail doing that, that one thing, I guess it's like the Olympics. I guess it's a nice thing to say, hey Jim. 
you're not necessarily really good at any one thing. You never give it your all. You kind of spread it around. Bartending. Uh, doing, And then I say, I, oh, when people, I tell everyone what I do and stuff like this, you must, you must not have any free time. And then look, look what I do. I'm able to do a podcast. <clears throat> and after listening to podcasts, I go, wow, did you squeeze that in before you took a shit and a shower? Well, I go, thank you. Thank you for your n- note of confidence. But you know what? I just have, I call this a well-balanced life. I think I do a very good job at one of my main jobs. And I think the rest of the jobs, I do a good job at. It's not a very good job. Now, excellent. Excellence, I think excellence, to say you're excellent at something, you have to be devoid of any less than superior work. Like everything has to be top notch when you say excellent. There's no weak points. So... I, I don't know if I could ever say that I'm excellent. I've been excellent at moments of brilliance, but I can't display that for the longest amount of time. So it's not sustainable. But the nice thing about it is when I don't succeed at one thing, I always have these other things that I can do. And I'm not overly tired from doing one thing. I don't get that repetitive. Just like the person at, in, in Cirque du Soleil, and they have to do this where they catch someone with one arm. And they're left-handed. That one shoulder is under pressure all the time. So when it gets dislocated or it gets pulled or you get a rotator cuff injury, that's it. You're doing it with your right hand or you're not doing it at all. Oh, there's a lot of things you get, you don't do with your one of your hands when you, you get injured. Like like uh, obviously if you're, you're one of those left-handed masturbators or right-handed masturbators, right? If you get injured, you got to switch. But that's not... A labor of love. Well, sometimes it is a labor of love. I guess I speak too early. But your main thing, you're doing the main thing, you're focusing on that one area of the body, blah, 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 or one area of life and stuff, and you fail. It's like being a lawyer that gets disbarred or a professional athlete that's banned from a sport. You don't have a lot to fall back on. And you focused on it so much. Pitchers blow out their shoulders all the time, their arms and stuff like that, and they can't pitch anymore. Or running backs with their knees and hips and ankles. I I mean, it's tons of sports like that where people, they have one thing and they want to be superlative at it. But that's risky. That's a risky thing. And it's also not well balanced. It it creates an outlook that single... Focus. One factor. One predominant factor. If your main thing, if you're Lance Armstrong, let's say Lance Armstrong is not taking performance enhancing drugs. Or Lance Armstrong didn't lose a nut, a testicle. And all you are is bike touring, racing, bike racing, Tour de France, Whatever races there are in the United States, tour to China, whatever race, I mean, everyone, I can only name one big bike race, and it's 
Tour de France, right? And you can't race anymore? What are you doing there? Now, Lance Armstrong, when he stopped racing and he got caught doing the performance, and then everything's uncovered and stuff like that, he lost everything. He can maybe do the, he could probably do the apology tour, the apology tour. He was famous enough that he could go in there and say, listen, if he really wanted to say, this is what I do wrong, and I'm remaking myself, I'm going to be coached, do this, do that, or um, I'm going to show people and say, you know, it's maybe what I did was seeking to be superlative in this one thing. I cut corners and I cheated. And people are going to say, well, I can get a lot of value. He's able, but he, he really screwed the pooch on that. Just like a lawyer that gets disbarred. Or a pilot that can't fly. But then you got all these other people out there. They're writers and something like Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton. How about Michael Crichton? I think he's still alive. Michael uh, Crichton wrote Coma. He did a bunch of movies. Michael, uh, he wrote a, lot, a bunch of books that became movies. Famous books. But he was also a surgeon, a doctor. I think a surgeon. Yeah, his main thing. It was always it was that. I mean, he's well known. He's much more well known as an author and a screenwriter. He did Congo, which wasn't necessarily a good movie, but it was a good book. Wrote all these thrillers. You know, when it, it, there's a lot to be said for making sure that you have a little extra time to do something. And, you know, for doctors, doctors are the busiest people. You know, he could could go, imagine when Michael Crichton, if he was going to one of those professional conferences to stay qualified as a doctor. And let's say he, I, I don't know this, but he goes to it and goes to one of his cocktail parties and everyone's talking and they go, well, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for this. I don't have time. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And, you go, and then all of a sudden he's listening to him and he goes, well, not only do I have time for this, I also have time to write these books that are bestsellers. And people look at him and say, oh, thanks a fucking lot, Michael Crichton. You know? There's leaders of country that do it. Obama wrote books and stuff like that. Does all these things. I know you may not be a big fan of him, but I'm a big fan of him. I think I think he does a great job. Well, I'm going to make this especially a short episode. Just what I find really important is to find a time to do something like I did today. I'm going to uh, now. I have it's nine o'clock. I did two shows. I'm going to make myself a little lunch, do a little personal care, get ready for a shower, shave, get ready for work. And, uh, yeah, I do it. I have a well-balanced life, I think. I feel so much better. It would have been better if I went to the gym, but I wouldn't have been able to talk to you guys today. I do appreciate you for listening. If you are in the area, please come and see me at the Catch Restaurant at Marker 102 in Key Largo. And if you do come in, tell them the Keys Bartender sent you. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. Like us on Facebook. That's Keys Bartender on Facebook. Keys Bartender on Instagram. Keys Bartender on Twitter. And say hello. Say hello. I don't care. Just say hello and that you're a listener. Because a lot of people say hello and 
they want to find out if I'm available or something. I want a romantic relationship. Well, thank you very much. Have a great day, and I'll see you. I'll see you. If I see you, obviously it's going to be on social media or something like that, but I'll be talking to you, I guess. That's the best thing to say. I'll talk to you later. Bye.